Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pigzah, across from Jericho. And there the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan to all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea. The Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho to the city of Palms as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Hey, everyone. My goodness. Seems like just a couple weeks ago, we were... Um, yeah, we were angry about what happened at a Super Bowl halftime show. It <laughs> sort of changes our perspective on things, doesn't it, right now? Uh, but I got to tell you, like, right now, it's a little scary, right? We're all a little anxious. And so I want to tell you a story today, and I want to tell you the story, a story that is giving me hope right now. Uh, I want to tell you a story uh, that I just read, a story of Moses. And you might be sitting there going, well, how does this story give you hope? We just read that Moses does not get to see the promised land, and he dies. I get it. Stay with me. And I'm going to tell you why. And so I'm going to skip past some of the parts that you may or may not remember. I'm going to skip past uh, where the burning bush comes and tells Moses to free the Israelites. And I'm going to skip past Moses going to the Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. And I'm going to skip past uh, the parts where the Red Sea opens up and all the Israelites are freed. I'm going to get to the part where Israel is now free and they're wandering in the desert. That's the part that I want to go to because that, that is actually where the real crisis happens. Okay, so what happens when they get in the desert? Well, when they get in the desert, the first thing that happens that some scholars will tell us is that you could actually see, you could actually see the promised land from the desert area, from the wilderness area. That's crazy. That's like living in Union City, New Jersey, and seeing Manhattan across the river and yet not being able to get to it. That's what that is. Like, that's ridiculous, and that's where they're at. Now, why was that the case? Well, that was the case because God didn't want the Israelites, who are just freed from being enslaved, to have to fight the Philistines. Now, why didn't God want them to fight the Philistines? God didn't want them to fight the Philistines because some of the Israelites were old. And we can use this word right now. They were immunocompromised. They were weak. And God said, hey, I want all people to be free. And so because that's the case, we're going to take the long way around. We're not going to cross over the Hudson River into Manhattan. We're going to go around instead just so that everybody has a chance to see the promised land. So, of course, all of Israel was like, great, we want everybody to be free. <laughs> no, not at all. The people were like, that's ridiculous. You know what? I'm ready to get to the promised land, and I'm ready to get to the promised land uh, in such a way that I'm okay if there are people who get left behind, and I'm okay if there are people who die, and I'm okay if people get put back into slavery, I, I want to get there. This is my freedom we're talking about. You see, what, what Israel didn't understand is that, is that they were free from, and yet they didn't know what it meant to be free for. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. See, they understood what it meant to be free from. They didn't understand what it meant to be free for. But I'm going to keep going on this a little bit more. So let's, let's go to them wandering in the desert. And listen, they're hungry. I get it. We get hungry when we're walking around. And so they're like, God, we don't have enough food. And God says, all right, I'm going to send you some food, all right? And all of a sudden, manna starts falling from the sky. Now, fun fact, manna in the Hebrew literally translates into, what is it? 
that kind of fun? So what is it is falling from the sky? And nobody quite knows what it was, but it's there. And so what do all the people do? All the people start going out and they start hoarding this manna. They're gathering as much as they can. They're in the midst of a crisis. They don't know when they're going to get to the promised land. So they just grab and grab and grab. And God's like, whoa, slow down. Save some for those who don't have any. And the people are like, no, we can't do that. We're just going to keep getting as much as we can. And we're going to make sure we hoard it. So people are hoarding it in their homes. And what happens? God's like, okay, you're going to hoard. I'm going to make sure your manna, your what is it, is filled with maggots. So they wake up the next morning and the food that they hoarded is filled with maggots. And God says, we're going to try this again. In fact, I'm going to let you collect manna for six days. And here's what you're going to do. Those who are able, you're going to collect a lot. And then those who are not able, you're going to collect whatever you can. But at the end of this, you're going to distribute it to each other in such a way where you all have enough. And on the seventh day, listen, you're no longer enslaved. And so on the seventh day, I'm going to have you rest because this is what freedom looks like. This is freedom for one another. And so this time, the Israelites listen. And those who can collect more, they collect more. Those who collect less, they collect less. But everybody has enough. There are some people that go out on the seventh day and they find there's no manna there. Like it's just completely gone. And that's okay because God says, hey, this is it. Like you have all worked together. You have all worked together to make sure that everybody has enough. That is freedom for. And so I want you to remember what freedom for looks like. So take the manna that you have left because you all have leftovers. And I want you to put it into a jar. And I want you to carry that jar around and remember the time that you understood what freedom for looked like. That's what I want you to do. But it continues, right? And it continues, and these Amalekites, they come, and Israelites are still wandering the desert. And, and God says, hey, you can defeat the, Mal the Amalekites so long as Moses has his hands raised towards heaven. Now, y'all, have you ever tried to raise your hands for an extended period of time? Have you tried to do that? Listen, we're all hold holding our phones like this. Like as we do like FaceTime and Zoom calls right now. And let's be honest, we can do it for about two minutes before our arms get tired, right? And so what happens is Moses' arms start to get tired. They start to lose this battle. And then some Israelites come over and they come over and they say, hey, we're going to work together on this. So we're going to hold up Moses' arms. So they all come over and they hold up Moses' arms and they win. They win the battle because they're holding up Moses' arms. And God says, once again, remember this. Build a banner to remember this by because what you understand is you understand freedom for, not freedom from. You get it. You understand it. So remember it. So they build this banner. Things are going well. God says, you know what? I think I want, I think I want to make sure that Israelites remain free. And I want, to, I want to make sure they remain free by giving them the Ten Commandments. Now, we happen to think that the Ten Commandments – are this like, you know, just set of morality clauses? Like, no, like, they're so much better than that. But they are, they are like, a, they're a way for us to be free. Think about it. Like, it says, do not murder, right? Well, if we're all worried about losing our lives, none of us are really free, right? That's just the bottom line. None of us are really free. Or it says, do not steal. Like, if we're all worried about someone stealing our stuff, uh, then we're going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not really free. I'm constantly worried about having my stuff padlocked and like put away. Um, I love the honor your mother and your father one. People always ask me about it, so I'll tell you. In those days, if you honored your mother and father, it meant you had a place to live after you got married, which meant you were going to procreate and have kids, which meant the nation was going to get stronger. 
So even though we don't like honoring our mother and father, in that sense, we were free because what it did for us is it allowed us to get married and have a place to live and a place to, to have kids and for a nation to become stronger. God says, these are the ways you become free. It's freedom for, not freedom from. So Moses, Moses gets these tablets, heads back down the mountain, and what are they worshiping? A golden calf. They're worshiping a golden calf. Why are they worshiping a golden calf? Let's think about what a golden calf represents. Let's think about it. it represents money, finances, represents resources, represents, um, hey, some will have a lot and some will have a little. It represents that some will be in good standing and others will not. It represents an inequity. That's what this golden calf represents. And God is saying, hey, with these 10 commandments, I'm bringing you freedom for. And the people are saying, no, that's not the freedom we want on our terms. See, we want freedom from. We want individualistic freedom. That's the kind of freedom we want. We want the freedom to choose to do what we want to do. That's the that's the freedom we're looking for. Oh. And as I read this, I get it. I get it. Because I think the Israelites are asking us the same questions that, that we're asking. The Israelites are sitting there and they're going, when are we going to truly be free? When are we going to get to the promised land? When is this crisis going to be over? When are, when are we going to have to stop wandering? When is this anxiety going to end? I, I can't deal with this anxiety anymore. Maybe if, maybe if I don't know when it's going to end, and maybe if I don't know how this is going to turn out, maybe I just do what's best for me at this point. And what's best for me right now is resource. What's best for me is worshiping this golden calf. It's not freedom for other people. It's freedom from. It's freedom for me. And honestly, I see ourselves asking those same questions, right? I see that happening for us. I mean, listen, right now there are some of us who have had to leave New York. Some of us who have lost jobs, some of us who are sick, it's scary. We have, we're anxious. We don't know what comes next. We're worried about it. You know, we're, we don't, are we going to be okay financially? I don't know. And so what we do is we say, you know, because I don't know, because I'm afraid, and because we don't know when this is going to be over, I need to do what's best for me. I need to practice my freedom from. And so I'm going to hoard as much toilet paper as I can. Because, yeah, maybe some other people aren't getting it, but I get it, right? And, and this is what I need to do. This is my freedom, right? And, and, and listen, you know, my 401K, I'm losing money left and right. And because I'm losing money left and right, yeah, maybe some people are going to die and some people are going to be left behind. But let's get back to work so that, 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 that my money can start coming in the way it needs to because that's my freedom. That's my right. Or, you know, let's, um, let's keep calling it the Chinese virus because, listen, I have freedom of speech and this did originate in China. And so even though I know it's hurting people over and over and over again, it's my right. I'm free to do that if I want to do it because I am angry, right? I'm free from. We can go on and on with this. Let me, let me keep my guns with no oversight whatsoever because the Second Amendment gives me freedom to do that. I have freedom to do that thing. And you know what? You are free to do all of those things. You're free to do every one of them. We're free. Do every one of them. And in times of anxiety and in times of crisis, the truth of the matter is we're free to live for ourselves. We're free to live as individuals. But is it the best kind of freedom? Is it freedom that makes sense? Is it freedom that God wants for God's kingdom? And here's the scary part of it all. The scary part of it all is this. I mean, Moses, Moses didn't see the promised land. He didn't. 
Moses died before Moses saw the promised land. And for some of us, we're going to get sick. For some of us, we're going to go through a ton of pain. For some of us, we're going to be in a place where we're not going to get back to New York. And for some of us, we're going to be in a place where it's going to take years before our finances actually get back to where they need to be. That's hard. That's scary. But there is hope. And there is hope in the midst of it. And the, and the hope comes from the hope comes from this, this passage that I'm going to read for you right now. It says Moses died at 120 years old. But what does it say? It says, but his eyes were still, his eyes were still, uh, I don't have it in front of me. His eyes were still fresh and, and his, yeah, Robbie, throw it up there for me. His, his eyes were still fresh and his spirit was still strong or something like that. I could pull it up on my phone because I'm blanking on it right now. Um, yeah, Moses was 120 years old when he died and yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Really good stuff, right? And here's what I love about this. this. This is where the Bible is chock full of goodness. What does it mean when you die, but your eyes are not weak and your strength is not gone? Like that's when you die, your eyes are weak and your strength is gone. Like that's the, that's the definition of death. And so I looked up the Hebrew and the Hebrew, uh, it said uh, this word leho. And the word leho means freshness. It means freshness. So basically it says um, Moses died at the age of 120 but he was still fresh. That's kind of a funny thing to say. Uh, so I did a little bit of more research on this and I found this from Rob Bell. So Rob Bell, I want to give you a shout out. I want to thank you for the research. And, and it says uh, it says that he died, but ready, but his natural force hadn't abated. Or this is my favorite one. He died, but he had not become wrinkled. That's a good one. So thank you, Rob Bell, for that research. I appreciate it. What is... What are we getting at? Well, I think y'all figured it out by now. Basically, what the writer of Deuteronomy is saying is saying, Moses died, but he could still get it up. Or Moses died, but he was not impotent. Moses died, but he could still spread his seed. All right, thank you, writer, for doing something <laughs> kind of crude, kind of humorous, but really, really powerful. Because what's he saying? He's saying, just because this bad thing happened, doesn't mean that we can't move forward. We are not impotent in this. That's what he's saying. He's saying just because there's a lot of pain doesn't mean we still can't do what God calls us to do with freedom for. Freedom for is different than freedom from because freedom for says, listen, we're, we, we might feel like we're dead, but what we're going to do is we are going to be free and we're going to be free not just when we're free, but when everybody is free. And not just when we have enough, but when everybody has enough. And just not when we're in a good position, but when everybody is in a good position. We are not impotent in this church. We're not impotent in this. The beauty of this is that we get to practice freedom for, not freedom from. That is the beauty of this. And church, I got to tell you, we're doing a good job. We're doing a good job. I, um, I get even emotional thinking about it. The fact that almost 100 of you have decided to fill out the form letting people know that you're willing to volunteer in such a way that you're willing to help other people. That's huge. That's huge. That is freedom for one another. I would dare say this. I'm going to say this. If you need help, if you need help, I dare say you not asking for that help may be a little uh, freedom from-ish. 
You asking for help is for the good of us. It's for the good of the collective. If you need help, don't worry about your pride. Don't worry about whether or not other people need more. Like you get the chance to say, hey, I need help there. And that's us acting in community. That's freedom for one another. If you need help, make it happen. Ask for that help. I love the fact that Xanafa, who is an amazing human being, uh, has experienced so much pain this year. And then on Monday, she led prayer for everybody. She led prayer for people who had anxiety and people who were worried and fearful. That is practicing freedom for. That is freedom practice that we are all free. And if you need prayer, Xanafa is going to pray with you again on Monday. Freedom for is the justice group uh, that we have. And this justice group is so excited to get out and help our city. And in, in fact, our justice group talked so much and we figured out that we can help this organization called We Make the Road New York. And we can help them by safely safely working in their pantry and providing resources for them. That is what Freedom 4 looks like. Church, we're doing Freedom 4. Freedom 4 is every single one of those times where you use your car to bring medicine to somebody in need, where you find a place for somebody to stay. Freedom 4 is the time where you bring supplies and groceries to someone who needs it, where we send money to people who are in need of money. We have done all of those things, church, because we are all practicing freedom for, and we get to continue to do it. We get to continue to live this out. That's what we get to continue to do. So here's what I'm calling us to. I'm calling us to continue to be the church. I'm calling us to continue to be Israel on Israel's best days. And I'm calling us to remember you know, when Israel got it right, what did God do every time? God said, remember, put the food in the jar. Remember, build the banner. And even though Moses didn't make it to the promised land, they did. The Israelites did. And when they got to the promised land and when it was all over and when they were free, God said, remember. Remember that you worked hard to do this. Remember that, that, that you made it over here. Remember that you work together and you put others before yourself in order to make it happen. We have a choice. We can be free from. I'm sure, that's our choice. Or we could be free for one another. What's it going to be? And as we're trying to decide that, let us remember what we can. Let's remember what this will look like when this is all said and done. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want to end with this prayer. And it's just a prayer of remembrance. And I want us to look back on this time and remember, just like the Israelites did. Remember the time Forefront lived out its calling by making sure we were all safe. Remember when we sacrificed our time and we quarantined so that other people could literally live longer. Remember when we worked to find that apartment for our community members, cash for our siblings who lost jobs, medicine to those who were sick, and sacrifice so that life could be lived by all. Remember that. And remember when we had so many Zoom glitches and so many Zoom meetings. And if we dealt with one more glitch or interruption, we thought we might lose it. But we did it so that we could all be safe. Remember that. And remember when our kids were on top of us and they wouldn't leave us alone. And the one thing we wanted was a vacation from our kids more than anything else. But then we had this incredible family time. Remember that. Remember when we had happy hours virtually and we toasted to all that was to come. And remember that in this unique moment in history, 
in this time that we're shut down, in this time that we wish we could all be together and wish there could be a big band, but here we are online. Remember that we get to still usher in the next 500 years and we get to be committed to living with each other virtually. And yeah, we might have physical distance, but socially we get to be closer than ever before. So let's remember. And let's remember that there is a God at work, even when it feels like that God is silent. And a God who is at work in you and me and all of us that don't think that God is at work in our lives because of who we are. And that God is bringing us freedom bit by bit. That when this is all over, we will have that reverence and awe and thankfulness for the expectation that was and is to come. Amen. We all pray with me. Let's pray together. God, this is hard. It feels like a struggle. And so, God, we pray that you would give us the strength to be free for one another. You would give us the strength to not go out and, and impose our individuality on others, but instead to bring about community to one another. You would give us strength to, to see this through in such a way where all see the promised land, not just some. That we would sacrifice ourselves so that others would have more. That others would sacrifice themselves for us so that we could have more. That we do this all in your name. We thank you for the grace that comes when we don't get it right. And we thank you for a Jesus Christ who shows us what true freedom looks like. Pray this all in your name. Amen.